0: You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Last week we we started a a new series uh, titled People of Promise, and uh, it is a series looking at the family line of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And uh, here we, we look at this family that was riddled with issues and problems and yet there were a family that God spoke a promise repetitively to this family line. And uh, you and I actually, through Jesus, fit into the same promise that was given to Abraham. We actually live out through Jesus Christ. And uh, God's words, when he gives a promise, when he gives uh, a statement to us, to Abraham, to throughout Scripture we see God speaking... Uh, we see that it's something to offer a hope and something to offer a, a clarity of, of what is to come. Uh, promise, as we looked at last week, is uh, is something that uh, gives this assurance. However, when we study the, the promises of God, we often see that there's a, a participation required on our front. God speaks a promise, but it isn't that it's a passive promise that we do absolutely nothing and God will do his part and there's... You know, it'll just happen. Often we see in Scripture that God said, look, this is what I'm saying, but there's, a, there's an interaction I'm requesting of your part. If you, if you turn from your wicked ways, if you do this, if you do that, actually, this is what I will do. In a sense, there's a promise, but there's a condition on our part. If we have faith, then this is a response. If, if, we, if we step forward into what he's saying, then this is what he will do. Uh, last week, we, we looked at Abraham's three steps of obedience. Obedience is part of God's plan for us. He, he doesn't want us to say, yes, I, Jesus, I put my faith in you, but I'll continue to live my life as I please and expect you to do everything else. As if God is somewhere along our journey, but we're not on his journey that he's planned for us. And so Abraham, he was challenged right at the beginning of the story as we look at his life. Is he was challenged to leave his family. And leave his companions and leave his his people, the Bible says, and go to a place that I will show you. There was a leaving process of following and stepping into the promise of God. It wasn't that Abraham could fulfill and live in the promise that God had and stay where he was. You can't live in the promise of God and stay where you are at the same time. God said, look, I'm calling you to something greater, but you've got to leave where you are. You've got to leave where you are. You can't live out the promise in Egypt, as it were. There's a promise that's over here, and you need to go on a journey to get there. And so he had to leave where he was. He also had to embrace what the the, the fullness of the plan. It, it wasn't fifty percent, it was the full embracing. So the Bible says, so Abraham left, there was a commitment to the plan. And so, again, as believers, when we come to Jesus, we're coming in with, with both feet, right? We're, we're on the journey wholeheartedly. We don't give 50% of our lives to be a disciple of Jesus. We're either all in or we're not. As I've shared in the past, there's only one type of follower of Jesus. And that's someone who lays down their life and follows Jesus. Correct? You can find another passage in the Bible that might say otherwise. But when I read it, there's only one type of follower. And that's someone who lays down their life fully. And follows Jesus. There's an embracing. So to walk in the fullness of God's promise. Actually, we have to be fully committed. And the last thing was, he completed the journey. As we looked at his father. His father also was on the way to Canaan. But actually settled halfway. Settled en route. He, he stopped and settled. And again, we can start our Christian walk. We can start walking into what God has for us. And then somewhere along the line, we settle. We settle. We we buy the house. We we have the family. We we do whatever happens in our society, and we settle for something. That if you look back to what God has spoken to you earlier on, we say actually there's I somehow I haven't got to that destination. I've stopped somewhere along the line. God calls us to not just be starting the race, but to finish the race. Right to finish the race to to be on track to keep going. And God is so gracious. He's so gracious that he, he, he doesn't, you know, when we, we fall short, he doesn't, he doesn't kick us while we're down. He encourages us to get back on our feet and keep moving forward towards the destination He's called us to. Today we're going to go back to the story of, of Abraham and, and some of the challenges he faced in the fulfillment of the promise given by God. If we remember that a promise is an expressed assurance on which expectation is based. A promise speaks of something that is to come, isn't it? And, and so to hold on to a promise requires faith on our part because we don't know God's exact timetable. Now, I've discovered in my walk with God that probably God's timetable and my timetable are the most opposite. How many have discovered that as well? We like to think that God has spoken it so it should happen now or in the very near future. And there's an element that, yeah, that's true. When we put our faith in Jesus for the first time, He comes in and that promise of Him coming and living in our lives happens immediately. It's true. But then there's the not yet part of salvation equally. Where we are, we receive this transformed New spirit, but actually it has to live out and the fullness of the promise of salvation won't be fully received until we we die or Jesus comes back. Either way, that's the fulfillment at the end of our life. We then stand before God and the fullness of salvation comes to a complete process. And so we still live even in salvation in a promise and the spirit's been given as the guarantee of what is to come. Correct. Is this not what we see in scripture? And so in Genesis, we see we're going to go back to the promise of what Abraham received as this promise. The Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land. I will show you this is Genesis 12. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be blessed. What an amazing promise. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. And this is where we see Jesus coming as a prophetic word. We are blessed through Abraham's line through Christ, all peoples of the earth. This was God's plan for Abraham to walk into and to live out. And when we read verse two, we see a significant promise made to Abraham. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. Wow. Now, that promise would be amazing if he had already 30 kids. Right. You're thinking, yeah, I see it happening already, man. Great. We've got lots of kids, lots going on, busy family. But we see actually a bit of a a problem because... As we looked at last year, last year, last week, maybe felt like last year, but last week, God had already, we already see in Scripture in verse 11 or chapter 11, boy, come on Tyler, that his wife, Sarah, was childless because she was not able to conceive. So we see right now that this promise that was given to Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Whoa, you're going to be huge. Wow, you're going to, people are going to be all over the place your your people your descendants but there's one big problem here god um my wife is not able to have children she she's barren there, there there's a problem in this fulfillment and so the very first challenge that abram faced in living on the promise was acceptance of the of the promise you see there's a present reality and and I think for you and I god says when we look at scripture and we really understand what god says of us and what his plans are for our lives, we often have a contradiction between what we see in Scripture and the reality in which we're living, right? We often see this gap that's that's there that can almost seem insurmountable, and we have a choice like Abraham had. is Do we take this word that God speaks to us, and do we think this is just a fairy tale, or do we actually accept it to be ours? If God has said something to you, if he's spoken a plan for your life and you might think this is the farthest from the truth right now for my reality. Do I accept this reality that God is saying or do I prefer to accept the reality in which I'm living because it's more realistic? We have a choice. His current reality was a wife that was not able to conceive. Yet there's this promise of a great nation we can see this challenge that Abraham faces. And as we read a bit later on his interactions with God, we see again this promise of an offspring. And so if we go to to um, Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 to 6. Again, there's another a little bit of time passes. And we have again this covenant with Abraham reestablished. He says, after this, the word came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid. I'm your shield and your your very great reward. But Abram said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my state, Eliezer, Eliezer, El, Eliezer, Eliezer, Eliezer of Damascus. Sorry, this guy's going to uh, from Damascus is going to um, inherit my state. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so my servant in my household will be my heir. Then the words of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is of your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. Indeed, uh, uh, if if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Now here's the sentence. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Abraham believed. God said a second time, Look, I'm I'm gonna make you into a great nation. I'm gonna give your offspring more than the stars in the sky are gonna be your offspring. And uh Abraham made a decision at that point at that point to to believe to accept God at his word, to say, "Okay, you've said it, I'm going to believe. Uh, You know, we also have this decision that you and I make. You see, what is faith but believing in a promise that God has said? You see, I think we could call faith this belief that there's a God, but actually faith goes deeper than that. Faith says, look, I'm willing to take God at his word and I'm willing to choose to believe. You know, belief is a choice, isn't it? It's a choice. It's a choice of whether we say if God says it, we we take hold of that word. and We say, that is what God has said. And so I am choosing to believe it. I'm going to put my faith into it, my, my hope into it. And I'm going to stand upon this promise. Abraham believed, and it was credited to him as righteousness. You see, God is looking in your life and my life for this same type of belief. Where we, When God says something to us, we don't just kind of put it in one ear and out the other, but we take hold of that word. So God, you've spoken it, so I'm going to choose at this moment in my life, even though my circumstances are still as they are, to believe what you have said. You see, Abraham at this moment still didn't have any kids, but he chose to believe what God's Word has said. What has God said to you that speaks in many ways contradictory to your current reality? What are you doing in that gap between your reality and God's promise? Are we choosing to say, well, it hasn't happened, so thus it's not for me. Are we choosing to take hold of the Word and say, yes, I am choosing to believe. I'm choosing to put my faith in what God has said. Faith calls us to hold Take hold of God's word with both hands to make that jump. I don't believe it's, you can, you can 50% believe. You sat down in a chair and it took faith to believe it's going to hold you up. We could have just for fun put one faulty chair out there to make all of you doubt. But because you've come, many of you, week after week, year after year, season after decade after decade for some of you, and you've sat in some of these same chairs week after week, you have not doubted that that chair would hold your weight. You've sat down without even a thought. You believed in that chair, didn't you? Without even thinking. You see, our walk with God is the same way. We can look at God and say, well, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, will it, will it, will it? And we can live in that place of doubt. Now, doubt is inevitable in a certain aspect of our our life because we're living in the not yet aspect of of fulfillment. But then in that space, we always have a choice as to whether we believe or we just go it alone. Living out our own destiny based upon our own current circumstances. Again, last week we looked at Abraham's father. He didn't go to the promise, but he settled somewhere in between. Why we don't quite know, but the reality is is that Abraham believed God. He he kept moving forward. So first of all, there's a, there's this challenge of acceptance of God despite our current reality. Okay? We don't believe God when our reality changes. We believe so our reality changes. Yes, sometimes we're waiting for God to do his part before we believe. It doesn't work that way. Our faith comes and then we see God do his part. Second thing is dependency. Abraham faced the second challenge of still no children and time is going on. Now, here we have not Abraham necessarily as the, the example of how to do it, but maybe how not to do it. So Sarah and Abraham they look uh, for this to happen, and yes, the promise is given a second time, and 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 they they're waiting and waiting, and years go by, and they're getting older and older and older. And uh, we suddenly come upon this story again in Genesis 1 to two, and and uh, they start to work out a plan. Now God makes promises, but sometimes we can tinker with fulfillment. We we like to tinker. We want to see this come about because this is God's plan. And surely this is a logical step. And so so uh, Sarah comes up with a, a brilliant idea. Now, Sarah, Abram's wife, uh, had borne him no children, as we know, but she had an Egyptian slave na- named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build my family through her. Now, Abraham, as a wise, discerning husband, said, OK. <laughs> Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. And, and here we start to have a problem um, because they start to look at how they can fulfill it. How can they fulfill this plan? The problem is, is that their idea wasn't part of God's original plan. You see, God didn't say to Abraham, "Look, I know your your wife's, uh, in in you know is barren. Uh, so look, I, I've got another plan because I hadn't thought about this plan that the aspect that your wife couldn't have children. So look, I I got another way to make this happen. And so look, you you got a a slave a woman that could bear children for you. So kind of be a surrogate." way to fulfill this promise. Abram, this is a really great idea. But God never said this. And so there was an insistency of fulfilling this promise on their own. And so they start this journey that even today we live in a world that pays the consequence of. We, we Through this woman, Hagar, we, we see Ishmael born. And uh, God does bless Ishmael because of the promise made through Abram. But it's been a a, a thorn in the flesh of the promised Isaac and offspring onwards because of the blessing. But now there's this tension that's gone on century after century because of a misstep on the part of Abram, a lack of dependency for God to fulfill the plan in his timing. You see, when we step outside of God's will and we try to invoke our own destiny in the promise, we try to make it happen. When we try to make God's will happen, it always leads us down the road of heartache. Even if it feels like it's in good, it seems so logical. I mean, it seems so logical to Abraham. Why wouldn't I sleep with your, your, your servant? Why wouldn't I do that? Well, there's a lot of reasons why you shouldn't do that. But in so desperate to see the fulfillment of the promise, I'm sure Abram overlooked maybe the obvious question marks that should be there. And sometimes we overlook and we compromise what would otherwise be our convictions because we're so desperate to see something happen. I've seen young ladies and young men so desperate for that 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 love of their life that they're willing to compromise beliefs of of having a Christian partner just because they just so desperately want that relationship. And so there was a word or there was a promise God gave them. And so they're so desperate that they'll just, they'll just latch on to anyone, missing what God has. I've seen people in ministry that's so desperate to, to get to where they want to go that they'll start to go down their own path only to find out they're not ready and it destroys them in the process. You see, Moses, God spoke this plan of, you know, he was saved for a a purpose of redeeming or, or rescuing the Israelites. And yet he saw his plan and he saw the fulfillment to somehow could come through him intervening in his own time. And that was disastrous. He had to run for his life because he went about it in a way that wasn't God. The lesson Abraham and for us is dependency upon God for the fulfillment and to resist the urge to take control. God isn't looking for us to take control. He is looking for us to be dependent upon Him being in control. And so whatever you're going through, whatever promise, whatever gap you're in right now between your reality and God's promise is to just hold on and be dependent upon Him and don't rush it. Oh, we want to rush it, don't we? Which leads us into the third thing, which is the endurance. Do you know what? I? I've discovered that I really like the sprints versus the marathon. Not that I'm good at either. But a hundred meters comes and goes pretty quick. Even if it's a slow jog. I remember at school, I don't know if you ever did athletics at school. And in our school, uh, especially in the later years, we had to participate in all the events. And some events are fun. Like you throw things. javelin and stuff. But then the runs, the races, it really really weeded us out as to who was the athlete and who wasn't. And I remember, you know, the 100-meter kind of challenges, and I would trail somewhere behind. But then we'd go from 100 to... What's the next one? 200, 400, 800, 3,000, 1,500, 3,000. I remember doing the 3,000 wishing... Jesus, to come back. (laughs) Uh, I mean, that is the race from hell. Um, I remember walking, most of it, after the first couple laps around the track. Who does this? Really? Anyways, there's a point to this. When we walk with God... More often than not, he's looking for us to be patient for the long distance, not for the short term gain. You see, God has got a plan that's that's happening that we don't fully understand the big picture. We we only see the little bit of time that we're living in and we only see the bit of time we've come through. But we don't see the bigness of what God is wanting to do in the light of eternity and also the light of our character. And sometimes we get so impatient and we think it really, we, we want God to work and we want God to work now. But God is at work. He isn't, He isn't slow to keeping His promise as we see in, in Peter, what he wrote. God isn't slow in keeping His promise as we would understand slowness. God, if He said, look, this is what I'm going to do, He's going to do it. And He looks at it from a different vantage point than us. And, and, and Abraham had to learn this endurance because after he made this first mistake with Ishmael, he, he certainly didn't have a second child outside of with Sarah. He certainly didn't do a second one because that first one went really terribly wrong. But we see here that there, there comes fulfillment. And in, in um, Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 to 5, it says, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah. As he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time when God had promised. Sarah became pregnant. Yeah. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son. Sarah bore him. When his son was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Do you know what? This is 14 years after Ishmael was born. 14 years. It's a long time. They tried to intervene, try to help God out. Years are passing by. How many times do we cut short what God is wanting to do? Because we just think it's too long. Just too long. Abraham waited a very, he waited decades for fulfillment. Now I've discovered this is a really challenging one because sometimes the things that we're believing God for are really to the core of who we are. Maybe it's a relationship, maybe it is children, maybe it's other things that are going on that we're just so desperate to see God answer. But you know, we can't control how it plays out, but we can be dependent upon the one who said, I will do it. I will just trust me. Let me work it out according to my plan. Don't don't tinker with it. Let me do it. God is looking for us just to be faithful in our trusting of him. You see, our responsibility to God's promise in this is to hold on to his word to choose to keep trusting and believing, to be patient for God to fulfill according to his timescale and to let his will be done. And at the end of the day, it's his will to be done, not our will to be done. You see, if we just put our trust in God, the pressure is off us and God can just have his way. And when his fulfillment comes, actually, it's an amazing miracle because it's always better. I've discovered that these things that I've waited and trusted God for, when they come to a place of fulfillment, it's always better than the thought I had originally. And it's always different. Often it's because my heart is in a different place as well to receive what God is doing. What promises, what plan has God put before you that may be you don't see the fulfillment of yet. Where are you at in that journey? You know, I I pray that this morning, if, if nothing else, that there's an encouragement to your heart to keep taking one step in front of the other in your trust and belief in your faith in what God is able to do. Because we don't know what tomorrow holds. And the enemy is very quick to speak doubt, to speak despair, to, to say, look, it hasn't happened thus far. It's probably never going to happen in your future. Do you know what? The enemy is a liar. He's a liar. How do we know when he's lying, when his mouth is moving? Because he is the father of all lies, the Bible says. And he wants you to deviate. He wants you to maybe take matters into your own hands. He maybe wants you to take a shortcut. Or to lose hope altogether that it will ever happen and choose to throw away the promise and just live out your current reality. All of those things is what the enemy wants to pull you into. But this morning we have a decision of choosing, like Abraham, to believe. I'm going to believe. I don't care what the last 30 years of my life have looked like. I know that God is still faithful. I know that he's still on the throne. I know that he's still faithful to his word. If he's for me, who can be against me? All the promises we see in Scripture are mine. They are yes and amen. And so I'm choosing today to not give way to fear or doubt or, or my own fulfillment of the promise. But I'm going to let God be God. And let's see what happens. May I encourage you this morning to put all your faith into his word. Let God work out his plan according to his amazing time schedule. I realize a message like this, again, could be quite raw for maybe some in this room. But I, I do pray that this morning there's a there's this hope because we see in Abraham. I'm sure if he if Abraham was told at the very beginning of the, the promise, look, mate, it's going to be years, decades until fulfillment. OK, well, fine. He wasn't told timeline. And God doesn't do the same with us, does He? But He's here today saying to you, look, come on guys, I'm with you. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.